All right. Good. Okay. Today we are continuing in this series we're calling Breathe. It's a three-week series looking into worship. What is worship? What is it not? And what is it supposed to be about? And it's called Breathe because of, uh, well, partially because of Psalm 150 verse 6. And Psalm 150 verse 6 says, not this. We need to switch the screens over. Okay, so it says this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So everything that has breath, what do we do with that breath? We praise God with it. That's what it's about. And uh, even we know that breathing goes through a certain rhythm, a certain pattern, right? We inhale, we hold it, and we exhale. Let's even do it. Ready? We inhale. Hold. Exhale, right? It's hard to talk while doing that, but uh, that's what we're doing. We, we're in this pattern, this rhythm, and we're wanting to take us through this rhythm of where it's to remember, realign, and respond. And so last week, Dave preached about remembering. What's the point of worship? Who's it for? That's the inhale. And then we hold this week, and as we hold, we're realigning. We're realigning our hearts and minds as we worship to be in line with the heart and mind of Jesus. And then as we exhale— you just you held it that whole time, right? You, no? Okay. So we, we exhale as we respond in worship and praise to God. Louis Giglio even has this great quote that says, Worship is simply us giving God back his breath. That's what we do. When we worship, we give God back the breath that he breathed into us when he made us through his spirit, as he breathed his spirit into us. So that's what we're doing. And so this week, it's all about this word realign. We are realigning our hearts to be in line with God's heart. And so as we come and as we worship, that's a big part of what we're doing. Now, worship is more than just worship through music or in a service, but we are talking a lot about worship through music and this service today. And next week, we'll talk a little bit even more about how worship is so much more than that. So first point that we're getting into here with this realigning, and you've got, uh, hopefully you got like a bulletin with an outline in there. We're going to be looking at that outline today, so I encourage you to pull that out. Uh, we'll get into it more in a little bit. But uh, this first thing is that God realigns. God himself is the one doing the realigning of the priority and pattern of worship to be in spirit and in truth. And let me kind of explain like what I'm saying and what I mean by this. So worship in the Old Testament, right? Worship was to go to a specific place, the temple, to go at a specific time during certain feasts, uh, to go uh, and do specific things. So we were supposed to go there and make your sacrifices, an animal that would come and actually be killed and its blood shed and then put on the altar and burned and the smoke goes up to heaven to worship God. That sacrifice was our worship and it took place at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus encounters this woman in Samaria where they were worshiping on a different mountain, and she asks, where are we supposed to worship? This is Jesus's response to her. Uh, this is John 4. We even talked about this verse last week. We'll keep talking about it a lot. It's an important passage. It says, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, 
An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Speaking of himself even. But an hour is coming and now is because he's there when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. All right. So no longer is about going to that mountain, going to the temple and making that animal sacrifice. That's not as much the point anymore. The point now is that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't just dwell in that temple. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in all of us and that we worship the Spirit with our spirit. We worship Him in that way with our hearts. It doesn't matter the place. It matters the heart. And it matters the who because that's the truth part. Who we're worshiping must be true. That we are worshiping God and the words that we're saying to Him must be true about Him. And so that shouldn't matter what kind of song you're singing or what prayer you're praying, as long as it's true. What matters is it's true. Okay, so that's like setting us up to think about worship is no longer in that way. God realigns worship to be in spirit and truth. But he's also telling us that, hey, worship is doing more even than, than maybe you thought is going on. It's, it is a sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of praise. But also there's this realigning happening in our hearts and minds when we come before God in worship, and that's realigning our heart to be more like Christ. And that goes along with this other just amazing passage that I think I know we talked about last week, and I'm going to actually talk about again next week because it's this good, and it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so remember, when it was about going and making a sacrifice of an animal, this is what it is now. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, not a dead killing sacrifice, but a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Or other translations say, this is your spiritual act of worship. So for your, your life, the life that you live, not killing something, but living something, that is your spiritual act of worship before God as you live that holy before him. So your whole life is worship, but then it continues to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Because what's happening is we all are being conformed by the world, okay? We live in this world. We're just, without even trying or something, we are being conformed to the patterns of the world and ways that go against God. And so we have to be intentional about then coming and as we worship and as we pray, we are being renewed and our mind is being kind of transformed and renewed back to be in line with the mind of Christ. So I want you to think about worship with that kind of mindset when we go into this. And with realigning, I think this illustration sort of helps me with it. When you look at this on the screen of these two parallel lines, I don't know if you remember learning in school that if you have two perfectly parallel lines, they will run alongside one another forever, right? They'll never intersect. They'll never separate. They'll just run alongside one another forever. 
But what happens is if they get just a little bit off, we know that then over time, if it's just a tick off, over time as it goes, it'll eventually get farther and farther and farther apart. And so I think of this as like when we're, we're kind of in line, we're aligned with Christ, and then we can just be living our life in, as, as we sin, as we are conformed to the world in some ways or tempted in things, we can just get a little bit off. And if we just let that go over time, we're getting farther and farther apart. And so worship helps us to realign and to come back into line with Christ. Sometimes it's hard to even see it happening, the, the conforming. It's just like a little bit off. And if you're just to look at those pictures by themselves without seeing it move, it's almost hard to tell that it's even off, but eventually we're farther and farther. So we must realign our hearts and minds to the mind of Christ. And, and as we are aligned to the reality of God, that prepares us for whatever comes our way in this life, all right? So as we come into worship and as we spend time with the Lord, just on our own personally in prayer and in, in, in reading of the scriptures and spending time in our personal worship of God, that is doing that thing of, of realigning us and preparing us for whatever comes our way. It's having this intimacy with the Father that allows us then as we live our life out in the world to be able to have the strength to be able to do it out of that intimacy. We'll even look at a, a passage when we get back into the book of Mark as we're studying for, for some more talks in the fall. But there's a part in Mark where the disciples can't cast out this demon after they had just had all this victory. But like Jesus spoke of how this, this can't happen without prayer because I think it's really about that their intimacy with the Father is off and they're not able then to respond in that moment. They'd started thinking about how it was their power themselves or they've kind of got this thing going themselves. But no, we have to have this intimacy with the Father that then allows us to see His power working in our everyday lives. So we're getting realigned. And now part of the thing that we can do to help us realign is through some physical postures and some methods of worship. Okay, and that's where I want to talk about some of these even in, in your outline. You've got some. But before we just get into each of them, uh, what we're doing as we do this is really when we use some form of physical posture or some sort of method of worship, it's helping us to train ourselves to be prepared for whatever would come our way in life. And because we're using some physical postures to train what's internal. All right, now, and, and this goes into these natural reactions versus trained reactions because we know that we have some natural reactions to things that are good. Like if you touch a hot stove and it burns, you, like, ow, and you have a natural reaction to yank your hand away. That's good. That's a, a good thing in you. But we also know that sometimes when we're tempted by something, something that's, that's sinful to do, we feel like it feels natural to give in to the temptation. And that's part of the deception of sin and, and temptation is that it, oh, it feels good, so that must be a natural thing to give myself into. And that's, that, that is the lie of the, of the enemy in that. And so sometimes we need to train ourselves to do what's not natural. It's like, 
running into a burning building is not natural, or running into a battle is not natural, but firefighters and soldiers or law enforcement uh, people, like, they train themselves to be able to run into that burning building or to go into that battle because they need to be able to do that, right? And so we go through some training, and I think some of these physical postures help train the internal, or our worship here helps train us for how we respond then out in the world when it wouldn't be natural to do something. So anyway, let's get into some of these postures. And uh, here's the list of them. Again, they're in your, in your bulletin is a list with some scriptures of where we find these. Because here's the thing, there's, there's like 10 here. There's others. I'd realized I didn't include clapping. Clapping is actually found in the scriptures as well of something we physically do to respond and praise to God. But, so there could be more, but here's a bunch. All right, so the first is bowing or kneeling. Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So that's a posture, and we'd even ask you sometimes to take on that posture of kneeling before God. And as you kneel before God, it's doing something inside of recognizing that he is the king, that we are to bow before him as the king. And it's, it's helping us understand what that relationship is. And it's also giving him the honor and glory that he deserves. Okay, so that's uh, part of that. Actually, the word worship, too, in both the Old and New Testament, really the core of what that Hebrew word or Greek word means is to stoop low or to bow down before, is to worship, to pay homage to, is, is part of that. Um, so that's what it means to worship. Now, the second one is standing. Psalm 119, 120. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. So we know that at times we stand. We stand before God. We know that as we stand in awe of him, we know we also can't be standing and kneeling at the same time. So there's like a reason why there's some different ones. And we would use these different postures at different times. I don't know if you know, it almost kind of bugs me though in the song. There's one worship song that's like in the same verse. It says like, I, I bow down. And then the next line is, and I stand up. And you're kind of like, what am which one, what do you want from me, you song? You know, and so it's like hard, but you got to just pick one and go with the moment. All right, now the third one's a little harder for me, okay? Uh, and some of these are going to be harder for you than others, but dancing. Psalm 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Uh, and, and so it's in the scriptures, actually throughout the scriptures of dancing before the Lord. David danced before the Lord when the Ark of the Covenant was coming into the city. And so we dance before God. And, you know, I, can't, I got a little bit of a sway going when I worship, you know, a little bit of hitch, like kind of keep your, keep your hands, keep your arms in, buddy, you know. Uh, you know, I got a little bit of a sway, but I don't know if I want to lift my feet or not. It's going to start getting, you know, it's, it's going to get ugly if my arms start waving. But, um, but like, hey, we got to be open to what God is going to be doing in us with these physical postures of worship. Now, fourth one, shouting, Psalm 98, 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Throughout the scriptures, it's just raising a shout for how great God is. And I love how sometimes we'll even hear and hear like, just as 
as you're moved by the Spirit, as a song is building or something, you just shout these shouts of praise. And uh, the word praise, actually, in the Hebrew is this word halal, which means, um, uh, which means really to boast of God, to shout these boasts of God, which is where we get hallelujah, to praise God, hallelujah. And so that's, there's worship to bow down and then halal, praise, to shout these boasts of God. There's also silence, just utter silence. Psalm 62.1, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. So at times we need to stop and just be quiet before God. Be still. Then there's lifting of hands. Psalm 63.4, so I'll bless you as long as I live. I'll lift my hands up in your name. Or lifting up holy hands. Or I stretch my hands out to thee. And that's why, you know, you'll see people raising their hands in worship. It's in the Bible to do it. And we express this worship of who God is. And you even see uh, people do that in celebrations at a sports game of some sort or whatever. You just, you're cheering, you're excited at a concert, or people are just raising their hands. It's, it's in us to offer that as praise. And so it's really intended to be offered to God as praise. And so we lift our hands to him. But we also know that can be kind of weird. Maybe you're newer to church. Some of that seems odd, right? It seems different. So we've got a little instructional video by theologian slash comedian Tim Tim Hawkins on how to raise your hands. Each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. <laughs> I want to. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us. But don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church. Music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, a little elbow flap. You're fine. <laughs> Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. <laughs> when you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. <laughs> Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar and go out there, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The same. <laughs> Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. <laughs> and when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your... 
<laughs> yes. <clears throat> so there you go. Now you've been instructed in the proper raising of hands, and you can utilize this posture whenever you'd like. Uh, so we can do that. We can, there's just a few more. Falling on your face before God. That's a pretty intense one, but we see it throughout the scriptures of people falling on their face before God. Revelation 7, 11, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped. Uh, a few of these are maybe a little different to you. I don't know, but one is repetition. Repetition, Revelation 4, 8. And day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. This glimpse into the throne room of heaven of what will be happening all the time of never ceasing to say this short song over and over again. Some of the Psalms, Psalm 136, for example, just repeats the same line over and over and over. The the Lord's loving kindness endures forever. Okay, just over and over and over again, just repeating because we as people, we forget. And we need to be reminded. So it's important for us to be reminded. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our songs should be short and just super repetitive. But it also means that we don't only have songs with tons and tons of words that we can't really, um, you know, just simplify and be reminded of. That we need songs that are different in that way. All these things have a purpose. Then the other one is sing a new song. You see this all through the Bible. Psalm 33, 3. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. We know that people were singing old songs for a long time, using a lot of the same songs. But throughout the Bible, it talks about sing a new song, that God is putting a new song into the hearts of his people that they will sing out uh, to him. So we should sing new songs. And then the last one, play various instruments that we see like a ton of dis- different kinds of music in the Bible. Even Psalm 150, just in the middle there, it says, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with stringed instruments and pipe, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. That all sorts of expressions of worship. There's other instruments like the flute or even uh, there's one of Levitical singers, like a choir of singers singing out to God that are mentioned in the scriptures. So there's all these different kinds and forms and postures of worship that help us like align through these physical things, align our hearts to God's heart. And maybe for you, I don't know, as you look at this, some of these might be harder for you or easier for you or more comfortable. Like I, that's just easy for me to lean into, but some of them maybe seem odd or you've thought like, well, it's, I don't know, that isn't right or this change is hard or maybe it's the new song thing is, is weird to you. Shouldn't we be just singing the songs of old or something like that? Now, it's interesting, like change is hard for people all the time, okay? Like when we think about new songs, a lot of people talk about new songs versus hymns. You know, I think hymns are just kind of like the old song that's good. What really matters is what's true, okay? A hymn can be not true, and a brand new modern worship song can be not true. Or they can both be true and be wonderful. There were people even freaking out when the hymns were written. This guy, Isaac Watts, is the one that he, he wrote this book in 1707. He wrote, like, a book of hymns. And he wrote hymns like, um, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, or a little ditty called Joy to the World that maybe you've sung before, you know? Uh, some of these, like, classic hymns that we know. But what was going on is back then they were singing 
singing only the exact words of the book of Psalms. And that's what worship was, was you'd only sing the exact words of the Bible. And so when he put these songs out, they, they condemned them and said they were songs of human composure. They called them uh, Isaac Watts's Flights of Fancy. And so like in that time, these things that we consider old hymns now were being condemned as these kind of like modern changes on how we we're doing things. And all that just to say that Things are always changing. What shouldn't matter is the, the style. What shouldn't matter is what kind of song they are. What should matter is if it's in spirit and in truth and reverence and in awe, in worship to God of who he truly is and that we are giving him all of our hearts. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. And we know, though, we can't outgive God, so he's going to give back to us. He's going to meet us and bless us in those times, and he wants to. But all of that other stuff shouldn't matter. What matters is we give our worship to him. And then as we worship him, that realigns our perspective to the reality of God and who he is. Like, for example, like Psalm 8 is a psalm of uh, like the greatness of God. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name. You created the heavens, uh, the work of your fingers, or the moons and the star, the moon and the stars. Like, so we recognize how God's power and greatness. And I think when we do, we recognize that it's that God who created the universe and all that's in it is also the one, though, that's with us in that moment on Tuesday at work that's really a hard temptation or whatever, right? And so we recognize that God, who created all things, is with us. We're realigning our perspective to the fact that we have this holy God with us. But we also know that we want to align our will to his will. So when we pray, and our prayer is worship, we pray the Lord's Prayer when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're realigning our perspective to say, it's not my will that matters. It's your will, Lord. And I need to be reminded of that daily, weekly, right? That we're constantly being reminded of God's perspective. And I love... Um, this thing that, that the, the Jews did in the synagogues and that they did at the Temple Mount, when they designed them, part of like the design was for worship. And it was just the steps leading up. This is a place called Chorazin in Israel at a synagogue. The steps leading up to the synagogue or to the Temple Mount were on purpose uneven and of varying depths, okay? Uneven heights and varying depths. Um, so they're breaking all of our OSHA laws and things like that. So I, I'd want to put one in, but I can't do it. You'll sue me. So uh, like at the Temple Mount, this is the southern steps of the Temple Mount of God. This is um, these steps right here. We know Jesus stood on those steps, like guaranteed Jesus stood there. That's like also just kind of amazing, right? And so these steps are leading up to the temple where they go to worship. You can see that they're varying heights, varying depths. Here's why. Because what they didn't want you to do was to come into worship just talking to your friend, not thinking about what you're doing or where you're going, and just kind of absentmindedly walk up the steps. Because when they're perfect, perfectly aligned, you don't really need to think about it. What they want you to do is have to think about where you're going, what you're doing, and who you are going to worship and offer sacrifices to. That you couldn't be on your first century cell phone just not caring about what you're doing and just like, you know, you'll trip. And as you trip, that was what they wanted you to do is trip and be reminded, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to worship. I'm here to offer my sacrifice. I'm here not for myself. I'm here for God. And 
like that's, I think, what we need. To, we can't do that with the stairs, but we can do that in our hearts. And so we can remember why we come. We remember why we sing. We remember why we pray and acknowledge who we are singing and praying to. Because we don't want to be like Isaiah 29, this prophecy that was this kind of condemnation upon the people. The Lord said, because this people draw near with their words and they honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous. And that's not a good marvelous. That's a judgment kind of marvelous, okay? And the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. And then Jesus repeats this prophecy here uh, in Matthew 15, 8. He says, This people honors me with their lips— but their heart is far away from me. So we don't want to come into a time like this here in this service and walk in not thinking about what we're doing and come in and just pay lip service to God and just go through the motions of singing the words and singing the songs, but we're not paying attention to our hearts and how we're being realigned to the heart of God and how we are to give God all of our hearts. Because no matter what, no matter what we do, whether you come in here and you like the songs or not, it's not about you. It's not about what you like. It's not about your preferences. It's about giving glory to God. And so actually, the the last thing you should be doing, though, is sitting there passively, not caring about what's happening. So remind yourself of who you're worshiping, what you're doing when you worship, because we can't just give him lip service and have our hearts be far from him, because that's not worship at all. So we must realign our hearts to be in line with the heart of God and give him the glory that he deserves. So spend time reminding yourself of what you're doing. And then the last thing to talk about here is that worship realigns our unity as one in Christ. Okay, as we come together, it's the point of all coming together is that we are realigning our unity under him and recognizing that. Jesus was praying to the Father, said, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. So we have this vertical unity, us and God, this vertical relationship in worship of us and God. And we, we have that unity, but then we also are called to have this unity with one another. This unity as we come and sing these songs together, that we're doing this together. And the reason we do this together is so that the world may believe that you sent me. So he wants us to have that kind of unity, to be able then to go out and express that love we have for one another to the world. Now, speaking of this whole unity thing, one last thing I wanted to talk about is just, as, as Matt announced earlier, how we're going to a one worship service starting September 2nd at 9.30, right? And as we go into that, that will bring this, this sense of all of us from whether you're at the 9 o'clock or here at the 11 o'clock service of coming together as one. And 
I just, I, I want to just us to think about like how we come into that moment and recognizing for all of you, it's like an hour and a half earlier change. If you've been part of coming to 11 o'clock all the time, that that's like a big shift and a sacrifice. And that's, I get it. That's hard. But God has called us to a greater unity and to a sacrifice of praise. One thing I think you could do is just next week, come to the nine o'clock and then actually then the week after, it'll actually be coming a half hour later. So it won't be, you know, it'll, act, it'll be easier then at that point, okay? Uh, it could just be a little game you play. But no, um, <laughs> but, but it is like for, for you all, for us here at the 11 o'clock service, there's some things that I, I hope that you do when we come. Because there is something special that happens in this room. I will tell you that this group of people, you are very passionately engaged in worship. Okay? There's something that happens in this room that, that you are very expressive in your worship to God. And it's cool. It's awesome. I want to make sure that as we go to this whole thing at 930 of all of us together, bring that, okay? Bring that to that 930 time and, and express yourselves fully with freedom and that passionate engagement and, and give that to the Lord still, you know, no matter what, no matter what happens, just give that and, and be even a model of that. But I'd also want you to consider how you can be learning from those that are part of that other service. That, like, you can learn a lot from these folks. And also, coming in, you, you're going to be used to sitting in, a, like, a certain spot. And then there's going to be a bunch more people all together. And you probably experience this like, when we do those one service Sundays anyways. But of just being welcoming and, and, and giving of what your like, spot is. If you feel like you've really got some sort of ownership over your chair. Okay? You don't. It's God's chair. It's not your chair. So just come in and let's like experience this welcome and unity together. And so I just encourage you in that. And I had some encouragements for them as well. So as we close... I want us to go into a, a spirit of repentance as we think about this, okay? As we think about what worship is and what worship isn't. And when it comes to like our personal preferences and how we sometimes let the stuff that we like, like if we like worship to be in a certain way, whether you like older songs or newer songs. And for me, I kind of like really like my personal preferences. I really like old classic hymns, and I really like the most modern worship songs. It's kind of the stuff that's like 20, 30 years old that I feel like is cheesy or something, you know? And, and that's like my problem. Like I need to be able to like worship to whatever, or there are certain ways that I think worship should be done. I need to surrender that to the Lord because it's not about what I like. It's not about what you like. It's about expressing our sacrifice of praise to God and giving that to Him and then realigning our hearts in line with His heart. The song, the first song we sang was the song called Heart of Worship. And it has a line that goes, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Because it's all about you. And I think that's what I want us to be able to repent of today. And so as we go into this time of singing, and we just pray and consider, Lord, how have I made worship through music something that it's not? How have I begun to make it about me instead of about you, Lord? Because it's all about you, Lord Jesus. So let's go into this time of singing. Let's go into this time where we will have stations around the room that are available to be able to come and take communion and remember Jesus. You can receive prayer at the prayer points. You can practice some of these postures that we've talked about and offer your sacrifice of worship and praise to God, but repent of the thing that you've made it. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord, ask that you would reveal to us in our hearts and minds of how we have been selfish or self-focused when it comes to worship. How we've made it about what we want and not what you want, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we can worship you fully with all of our hearts, whether we love the music or hate it. And God, may it be solely given to you. So, Lord, I'm sorry for the thing I've made it. I pray that you'd meet us here in this moment, that we'd offer our praise, our worship to you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.